Ahoy, everybody. I just wanted to give you all a quick disclaimer about the editing in this coming episode. So I had four people in a 32-foot in a boat with two microphones. All of them had never been with me before while recording a podcast, so people were coming really close to the microphone and then coming really far back. And it, it went on for about the full length of the episode, which was about an hour. Halfway through, I realized I was in over my head. So just a quick disclaimer, there's going to be some weird vo volume and editing issues in this podcast. It's not horrible, but it's definitely noticeable. And since it's out of my range, then I just let it be. Hope you enjoy it. Here we go. All right, all right. We're back. It's been so long since we recorded the last episode with Sam, but we are back. So there was a change of plans, I guess. We were initially going to bring in Scotty to kind of, I think the overall topic was going to be how to get people involved in sailing if, you know, if you don't have like a ghetto yacht club behind you. Yeah. That was, yeah. that was it. But instead, we ended up here. We just got back from a sail today. Mm -hmm. We ended up here with Cameron. He was helping me set everything up, waiting on Scotty. And like Cameron was saying, Scotty is kind of notorious for being on Scotty time. <laughs> Scotty time is a thing. Yeah. So here we are instead. Cameron, why don't you introduce yeah. yourself? Well, uh, I'm Cameron. I just started sailing maybe. Well, I've had a sailboat for about two years, but I haven't really done a lot of sailing past that. And it's, and it's a good topic for how, to, how did you get into sailing for me? Because sailing was not something I've done ever. Uh, it really started like two years ago. I was watching the YouTube with Delos on the tube. SV, oh, yeah. Delos, SV, SV Delos. Delos yeah. yeah, of course. And uh, they got me hooked on it, and I bought my first boat uh, within like two months of watching them. I was like, well, no shit. Yeah, that gotta quick? get a boat. Okay. Yeah. Well, well, somebody told me I couldn't do it, so of course that means I had to buy a boat even faster. I'm the same exact yeah. way. They if said, well, you're never getting a boat. Well, they said, hey, I got a wind generator, and I said, well, I want that. I'm gonna be sailing here shortly, and they said, well, when you get a boat, you know, call me back. So like. A week and a half later, I'm like, hey, I bought a boat. I need that wind generator. <laughs> and uh, it Hell turns yeah. out he shows up with an alternator, and he goes, here's a wind generator. I go, no, that, that's a, that's a one-wire alternator for, like, an S10. S10? So, what's an S10? Oh. S10 is uh, just, like, an old pickup truck from Chevrolet. Oh, okay. Like the a, S okay. Like, yeah, like a 96 or, you know, the older one, V-Belt yeah, yeah. drive. Yeah. And so I'm like, well, that's not a fucking wind generator, so... That sucked, but so you got a boat way, based I on a false a promise yeah, for yeah, a wind yeah. generator. Yeah, false promise, totally. But got the boat. It, oh, it was geez. awesome. It was a, a Pearson twenty seven, uh, like a ninety one model. I actually traded it for a jet ski. I had had a nice uh, a Honda Aquatrax jet ski, the same one that's on my boat now. I had yeah, two yeah. of them, and I traded one of them for it, uh, and that's how I ended up with a boat. Hell yeah. Is it cool if I add... I need to take a picture of your boat and yeah. uh, add yeah. it to the website. Yeah. Because, I mean, at this point, you're Ghetto Yacht Club. You know? <laughs> yeah. You know all of us. You know yeah. all the well, shenanigans. My boat definitely fits in at the Ghetto Yacht Club. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, it sure does. Not the prettiest one here. Yeah. So, cool, man. Hey, cheers. Thanks Thanks yeah. for doing this. I know you were a little oh, yeah. apprehensive. Salud. Yeah. So, um... So you ended up getting into sailing because you were watching YouTube videos. Yeah, just Delos, really. Delos was who just got Delos, me into it. Yeah. It. Well, I watched more of them, but Delos was who I liked. 
Okay. And they were like, I was like, well, because they were like so inspirational, you know, he started out with like, granted, they're in a really nice boat, but mm-hmm. he started out with like having no idea and bought this nice, you know, 53 foot Super Marmu ML. And then eight years later, they're in Granada. Right. Lying so past. what do you, what do you do? How, how were you able to pull this off? No, jeez, I don't know. <laughs> uh, like, uh, um, yeah, I'd quit my job probably like maybe six months or a year before that, mm-hmm. before I bought a boat and I was just kind of like drifting. And what were like, you doing? Uh, what, what was in the job? LED business doing digital displays. I was a tech for them. Okay. And, um, I was basically lead engineer. I did all the development for the product. Uh, and I just said, you know, uh, it just didn't, the way it panned out, it didn't work. Yeah. And so I was like, all right, well, I'm going to start my own company. And I was just kind of drifting. And I was like, you know what? I want I want something fun to do. You know, life's short. Let's figure this out. And I was watching YouTube. And I was just like, I saw Dallas. I'm like, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to sail around the world. <laughs> and and so, how old are you? Uh, 26. 26. Yeah. Good for you, man. Yeah. Hell yeah. What are you, Ricky? I'm 29. About to yeah. to go through the dirty 30. The dirty 30s. Yeah, this coming March. Whew. But that's awesome, man. That's, a, that's exactly the kind of story that would fit into like the topic, you yeah. Know? And that's why Scotty would be really good whenever he gets here, because that's kind of what he does. Yeah, you know, Scotty he... drags everybody into sailing. It's so great, it, and he takes everybody out and he shows them how you can really enjoy sailing. Yeah. So how many people were on the boat today? <laughs> Kagan, yeah. Today it was what, like nine or ten people. Yeah. On the little thirty-two foot boat. Mm-hmm. It was loaded. How it many was people loaded. was it? Did you count? I didn't, but nine or, nine sounds about right. Chris would know because he had to get all the life jackets. <laughs> I, I would say it was ten probably when I joined. Yeah, because I was kind of on the on the on the so, edge. So after you got the boat, where did you buy the boat? I bought it in in uh, Clear Lake. Bought it in Clear Lake. Yeah, okay, it, so you go over there, you check the boat out, you buy it. Yeah, the boat it just got hit by lightning, and so <laughs> everything was fried on it. Uh, and the guy was like, Hey, you know, it just got hit by lightning, but it was a really nice boat. Like it was in good shape. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a 91, which is, I mean, for this area, pretty nice. Yeah. And it just by hit by lightning and like, it was a deck step. So you could see where it like melted the carpet where the lightning hit. Whoa. Uh, and he Do you was, have any pictures of that? Oh, I don't. Damn. I don't. But, oh, I still have the boat. So I'm, I, I mean, it's still there, but mm-hmm. so yeah, I went out and I'm like, I had no idea what I was getting into. I bought the boat and. I was like, well, we did a trade. So I was like, look, I have a nice jet ski. And he's like, oh, let's do it. So I did the trade, and I got into boating. And that was when I was like started working on the boat. And I was like, holy crap. So did you have any idea of like what to look for when you were buying no, the boat? No, not at all. Nothing. Oh, Nothing. Man. So you missed our first two episodes where we talked about it was kind of the general what to look for, whether the fiberglassing, woodworking, you know, kind oh, of yeah. what to expect and in terms of pricing and, yeah. you know, maybe give you a little haggling power. Yeah, no, uh, I had none of that. The second episode was uh, just engines. Mm. You know what to look for engine. The engine, engine ran. That was what I knew. And you, you it, when you put it in gear, it floated it, and the engine ran. It floated and the engine ran, and it made the worst noise when you put it in gear. And the guy claimed that he had had like caught something in the prop. Was uh, it the transmission? No, no, no. The boat and motor were fine. The the the, the it had a um uh, a bow tie blade on it, and it lost a blade. <laughs> so and, it was like all oh, off yeah, balance. And, and, yeah, and it was a so it was a fin keel boat, which is the you know just there's a keel separated by like a spade rudder, mm-hmm. and there's a a strut that holds the drive shaft, and because the the blade was off, he had drove it until the strut broke, so the drive shaft was just like going crazy down there. Oh shit! Yeah, and I didn't know that when I bought it. He said there was something in the rudder, and I or in the in the propeller, and I was like, okay, well you know whatever might come out, whatever. Yeah, did you ever haul it out? 
No, no, no. First thing I did was build a trailer to, to take it out of the water because mm-hmm. I wanted to take it up north to Conroe where I lived. And so that was a whole nother event in itself. But I built a trailer to haul it out. And we had tried this like on the second attempt. I was hauling it out and one of the um, pads fell off and the two by two square tubing punched a hole right in the side of the boat, right oh. at the water line. Yeah. And of course we had to, you know, put it back in the water. So there was no, the main engine was down and I had put an outboard on it mm-hmm. just to get it over to the, um, the haul out place. And, um, we were loading it up. I was trying to get it loaded up to take it back to Conroe to do all the work up there. Cause that was how I was going to, instead of taking it to like a Marina, mm-hmm. I built a trailer and I was just going to do all the work at home. Right. But that didn't work cause it put a hole in the side of the boat. So <laughs> I ended up, so I tried to go back and then the, um, the outboard failed too. So all I had was sail. So I was sailing it. And what I'd do is I'd sail it on the port side. Cause the hole was on the starboard side. So I'd sail it as far up as I could on the, on the port side, on a port tack. And then I'd go into a starboard tack as fast as I could to get across because mm-hmm. it was taking on water really heavy when you'd go on a, on a starboard tack. And I'd go as far as I could, as fast as I could, and then I'd go back to pointing on a port tack to keep the hole out of the water until I got oh, into the marina. Uh, so for, for anybody that's listening that doesn't know, um, a tack is which direction the boat is going uh, based on the wind. So the way that I was taught is if you're on a starboard tack, is where the boom ain't. It's super, <laughs> super Texas, I guess. But if the boom is on the starboard side, that means you're on a port tack. Mm. Uh, so you had a hole on the starboard side? Yes. So anytime you're on a port tack, that hole would go under the waterline. Uh, yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay. So you were like rushing, trying to build yeah. speed and get yeah. the right direction. Yeah, you'd run it out to try because I didn't have any engine, so I'd run as fast as I could, and and then I'd come back and just point as high as I could oh, uh, to get it back into the marina. That's, and, uh, that's pretty ghetto, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, good job. We totally made it, and then we got there, and uh, my grandma was happened to be with me, and she's like, "Why don't you just put like a plastic bag in the hole?" And I was like, "Oh, that's a really good idea." Well, we have these. Uh, so we did that one. We got to the marina. <laughs> yeah, these like balsa wood plates. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that the bag was way better because it was a square hole. Mm. You know, like the balsa wood wouldn't have fit. Gotcha. Yeah. Or the, you just made it bigger. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It would. It, it was a two by two square. But oh, um, man, it was a total. It was like there was a lot of fun that went on with that boat. So at that point, it it sounds like you already kind of knew how to sail. No, how, how no, not at all. That was the second time I ever sailed the boat. The first and time I took it out, uh, we took it out and we tore the main halyard, uh, and so we didn't have a mainsail uh, to to lift. We didn't have any halyard left. Wow. Um, so, so so how did how did you actually learn how to sail? So like I still I don't know that I still do. Well, I mean <laughs> we've we've been sailing before, yeah. you know. Like you're you're handy around a boat. Like yeah. we've we've taken Kagan out. I mean we went on the Harvest Moon. We got first place. Yeah, yeah. You know. I was steering though. Oh, uh, you were doing stuff. No, no. Uh, but either way, like, uh, I don't know. Like, uh, so my biggest thing was, like, when I went with Scotty. So Scotty and I sailed to Florida. We didn't really sail. We took the ICW the whole way. Right. And uh, that was really the biggest trip I've done on a sailboat. Prior to that, the Morgan 33 that I have now, Out Island, I bought that boat out in Paytown. And the first time I sailed it was when Scotty and I left. Uh, Are you serious? <laughs> Yeah. Oh wow. well, I, I take that back. I came from Baytown down to the GYB, the Galveston mm-hmm. Yacht Basin, um, maybe like a month before that, and mm-hmm. we had—I don't even know that we had sails out because it, we were running right into the wind. We motored 
all the way from Baytown down to the GYB. Mm-hmm. And uh, then I worked on the boat some more. And then when Scotty and I left was really the first time I ever sailed the boat. Wow. And so... So this is like unprecedented, like, adventurous behavior. <laughs> yeah. Borderline reckless. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, totally. What would you do different? Knowing what you know now. No, I, I think I think or this what would was you do the best yeah. way to learn was what I did. Yeah. Was just get a boat and go out there and try it. You know. What would what you happened. recommend to somebody that's thinking about doing something like that? Ooh. Um. Just get a boat that's over thirty feet because if it's under that, you really it's it's a really agile, but it's just not as fun to sail. Um, they're really bouncy, and because we're in the Galveston area, you know, you're always out in the, either the ocean or the bay right by the ocean. Mm-hmm. So the chop is so bad. If you have a really light boat, it's not that fun to sail. But right. if, if anything over a 30 weighs enough where you can really go out in the bay or out into the Gulf uh, and take it out there and sail. Yeah. So, like, the little 27, even in the lake, you know, it just, it's such a small boat, it heals over at anything. And it just, it's not that fun, but. That was like the guy that was on the boat today on the sail. He's looking to get in 27. And it's like, don't, you know, if you're going to get a 27, stay in Kima, you know, up in Clear Lake. But if you're going to be this close to the ocean, you want at least a 30, you know, a 30, 32, maybe a 34 even. Yeah. Just so you can go out into the Galveston uh, or in, into the into the Gulf. Right. Uh, it just gives you more options, too. I mean, it I does, don't know uh, if anyone's really, anybody listening is really into like the whole liveaboard lifestyle. But, mm. I mean, Scotty used to live on a 27. Mm-hmm. And... It's a hardship on a 27. Yeah, it's it's tough, man. I mean, yeah. you run out of space real quick. And I consider myself kind of a minimalist. Granted, I am living with uh, my fiance here. Mm-hmm. So there's two people living on a 32-foot boat. But mm. uh, even so, even just like with tools and the stuff necessary to like maintain a boat while mm-hmm. cruising, mm. you run out of space real quick. Yeah, you I, do. And you're, what, you're, all, you're by yourself over there. Yeah, on, yeah, on I'm the by bargain. myself. And I have a huge, like the boat I have is really spacious for its 33-foot length because it's got a 12-foot beam. Right. Um, and it's really spacious and it's full. Yeah, she's kind of fat. Yeah, she's, she's really she's fat. Yeah. But we, even with that, it's full. Like, I, I need a bigger boat at this point. But I do a lot of work and I have a, sh- a lot of tools and a lot of things. You know, I have extra gas, everything extra. So. Uh oh. Uh oh. Sounds like Scotty's here. It sounds like we're about to be boarded. Yeah. <laughs> Come on in, Scotty. Oh, he needs to play his horn. Oh, yeah, he does. Kitty, go get him. All right, let's take a quick break. Get him all set up in here. And then we'll continue this conversation. Cameron, again, thanks, man. Uh, yeah. Thanks for doing this. Let's see if we can edit. We only got two microphones. Uh, so we'll we'll see if we can get more people in here and just kind of continue this conversation. Yeah. Sounds good. All right. Mm. Start recording now. Why'd you go to Best Revenge, Scott? Introduce yourself first. Come on. Hey, this is Scotty. Um, and I'm a sailor from originally from um, Southwest Florida, a beautiful little town called LaBelle. LaBelle has a free dog for all sailors for three days. It does. With water and electricity. And it's and, nice. And it's very nice. There's food. You can go to the, uh, the store right down the way. There's a good restaurant. Easy access to resources. Okay. So what do you do here in Galveston? Um, I work on boats. I sail boats. S A I L. Okay. And so, and my my life revolves around boats here okay. in Galveston. Like many of the people at the Ghetto Yacht Club, I guess. We are the Ghetto Fleet. Yeah. So I work for myself, essentially, or whoever will hire me on my own terms. Okay. All right. Let's see if we can crawl in the, uh, or cram in here with the microphones, because Chris, you want to take a seat? Yeah. Come Chris. on, Chris. 
Yeah. We do kind of, it might be a little uncomfortable until we get better stuff, sure. but you kind of have to come in. All right, Scotty, so he started telling Just us, the, he started telling us the story of how he got involved in boating, and it was pretty like balls to the wall. Cameron? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's, it he, was pretty balls Cameron's to the wall. I didn't know that the first time he went adrenaline. sailing. Yeah. I didn't know the first time he went sailing was uh, when it, you were bringing the boat back from Baytown. He, he was, I wasn't when with I him. I took the Morgan from Baytown to here. From Baytown yeah. to here. Yeah. I'd met him shortly after that. His yeah. boat was in the, in the yard. Yeah. And he shows up at Schooner House at a Palapa party. Oh, that was awesome. Yeah. And uh, he had a good spirit. So I knew we would get along. Yeah. 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 <laughs> How, did, like, you, how like, did you run into us? Well, I met I met Chris uh, working on the boat, and um, after that, it's a great yard. Yeah, yeah. So we went to the Palapa party, and I met Scotty there, and then like what, like three weeks later, we left for Florida. Yeah, it was that fast. <laughs> <laughs> so, He's like, wow. I'll go with you. I said, okay, I would love that. Yeah. And we had sister boats. So I took the Catalina Twenty Seven. Yeah. He had the Morgan Thirty Three out island. Yeah. And we traveled the intercoastal waterway. Seventeen days to uh, Fort, uh, well, to LaBelle. To Seventeen LaBelle. was seventeen days was to the dock of LaBelle. Mm-hmm. Wow, yeah, that's from, awesome. From right here, to yeah. the, from to the, the GYB dock. all the way to LaBelle Dock in Florida, it was seventeen days on the ICW. Yep. So, um, Scotty, we haven't really even gotten a chance to talk about like what we're doing here, but I, oh. I, 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 this is like an intro to uh, people with uh, that don't have access to you know something like the Ghetto Yacht Club. Okay, you know? uh, so. I really liked Cameron's story because it was kind of like, it was just one of the different ways that, you know, someone can get involved with sailing. Just saying, you know, balls to the wall, I'm buying a mm-hmm. boat, I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, caution to the wind. Caution to the <laughs> wind, yeah. Um, but we also, I don't know if I want to condone it 100% because, you know, it can be really dangerous. Oh, yeah. You know, I admire you for it. <laughs> but I don't want anybody out there to just kind of. Well, like, I, I did that twice. I did yeah. two boats like that. He did two boats that way. He did two boats that way. <laughs> um, but Scotty, I, one of the reasons that I wanted to bring you in here is because you have a different way of getting people involved. Yes. Uh, why don't you tell us a little I bit just, about that? I talk talk people and go and sailing with me. I do tip the boat sales where people just come in and if they just they like to the sail they leave some money for the boat. Um, and I my my goal is to constantly bring people that have never sailed before into the world of sailing enthusiastically yeah and uh, it's def- my funnest thing to do yeah I, I, I absolutely love doing it you're always really chipper about it and it's like uh-huh. an infectious kind yeah, of like it, charisma and so so this so we've 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 evolved this nice little at least weekly or bi-weekly sailing event going out of the, out of the ghetto fleet here either on kagan or jester or the wild thing. <laughs> First place, Harvest Moon. Yeah. Woo! <laughs> but, like, Cameron, I mean, um, Travis wants to take his boat out today. I'm like, ah, I can't do that today. I, I already planned a different boat. But Why Why not Wild Thing? Um, Because there's somebody living on Wild Thing right now. Oh, mm. yeah. So, and, and it disrupts his home. Yeah. So, I chose not to do that. That okay. and other reasons. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which shall not be named. We, we shall not say those Yeah, things. that's okay. So, uh, Scotty, one of the things, so that's one of the ways that you take people out. Uh, mm-hmm. I think another really way is uh, you do a lot of community outreach style programs. Constantly. with. Uh, I know that you've taken people out here at, uh, from the Shriners, the yep. Burn Hospital. Burn Hospital. You do, you have a nonprofit. Why don't you tell us a little about your nonprofit? Yeah, our nonprofit is called Adventure Mentoring Programs. And it's, it's really, what it, most thing it does right now is it runs LaBelle Fossil Camp. And that's a program out of South Florida that goes on for the whole month of July. And we take kids between the ages of 7 and 14 Fossil hunting. We use uh, Catalina 27 right now for the 
and we we'll, we'll go up and down the, the great red gray Clusatchee River all set about with mammoth bones. And it is one heck of a good good time. Yeah. Your truck is just covered in fossils. I've got a few. For any, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> got a few. That's one way to say. It. So how did you get involved in this? Uh, um, do you have a an education or an my education back, background? Yeah, you know, my right? background is in ed, ed, elementary ed and um, anthropology. But I've been a fossil hunter since I was about six. Okay. So how I, did you get involved in sailing? Let Let's take a little step back here. I step back. Um, they They had um, an optimist program at Florida State University. I but LaBelle has the free dock for three days. And I would talk to sailors. I knew I was going to sailboat from age nine. It was really? in the stars. I was going to have one because I, I, I remember when I realized I can get anywhere in the world from the bell dock that's connected to water. That's and it was like this enlightening yeah. moment for me as a, as a, as a child. And I, would, I had my first boat was a homemade raft called the Mr. Pib, and we saved our milk jugs and we stacked them underneath this square piece of this framed out piece of plywood, and we pulled up and down the Clusahatchee River. It, the boat could, the little, the Mr. Pib could carry two kids and a dog. And but you had to balance, <laughs> and you had to balance the dog. If the dog walked to one side, you had to counterbalance the dog. Okay. So. Did you have an outboard for it? No, no, no. We had poles. We had cane poles. poles. Cane poles. Oh, okay. That we, uh, you like bamboo poles along. that we cut. Yeah. And you pushed it along? We pushed it along. Oh, man. On the banks of the river. And well, uh, that's awesome. So that was, was the start of it. When that was, was, that was my first boat. When, yeah. was, when was your first sailboat? My first sailboat was really the Elise that I owned. And the Elise, she was like this awesome girl, man. I loved her so much. But I lost her in a tragic boat accident here in Galveston Bay. But I had her for 20 years. And we sailed her from, bought her in LaBelle from a, from a retiring principal. Who, and oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> it was kind of cool. So we were in the same profession. And uh, she, the boat cost me $5,000 and then another $1,000 to get it from my ex-wife after the divorce. That's the way things go with boats. Yeah. <laughs> Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> it, it, is. <laughs> it is. So oh, it's absolutely the way things go with boats. But so, so but the boat was worth an extra thousand dollars to me because yeah. I moved on board. You know, and it was your home. You were, yeah, li- you were doing was, the live aboard stuff. I, that's when I first started living aboard, and I did that. I you know was a mental health counselor at the time as well as mental health counselor at the time as well, and uh, um, just kind of I was living on twelve volts for about two years and saving money. And that's how I bought my first condo um, there in the, at the Port of Bell Marina. So now I had this little, little one-bedroom condo, villa, and my boat, right, side by side. Perfect situation. Yeah, that's, Man's that's dream. Ideal. Yeah. Yeah, for right. real. Like, we were just talking about, you know, uh, somebody was talking about buying property in Sargent. Yeah, and yeah. And no, to be able that's to the exactly the same thing. Yeah. yeah. Right? Just don't get married and you'll be safe. <laughs> we were talking about that. Ricky's the goner. It's too late. It's too late for him. I'm I'm a lost cause. He is. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it's, it's okay. It's definitely happening. Um, here's what saved me with the villa, and really saved me, allowed me to start cruising by myself after I after I was done with um, teaching. As I was getting divorced, I had a tragic fire, but I was very well insured, so I was able to just throw that money away and cruise and not really have to work for about a little over a year. And I didn't have to get anywhere very fast. I got to really explore the Gulf Coast of, of the United States, from, you know, from the Florida Keys all the way to um, Brownsville and, and uh, Port Isabel. And and you took the ICW for all of that, all correct? Right. I was on a I was on a Buccaneer twenty seven 
with a three-foot draft. So let's just so, say I wasn't making any uh, open water crossings so that the, I didn't have to make. The, the, uh, the ICW is the intercoastal waterway, which yeah. is like uh, the ditch that you can you can safely traverse in a boat and not have to actually go was, into the Yeah, that's, that's a good point. For anybody that doesn't know what the ICW is, mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's basically a, an engineering marvel. It yeah, it's it, great. It, it's, it's pretty amazing. <clears throat> For anybody that doesn't know, there's essentially a protected water highway Going across the Gulf Coast, it goes all the way around, not around. It, it goes from New clear York. Water. Yeah. It goes from Brownsville all the way up to New York. From yeah. Brownsville, no, Texas. It's, it's there's a miss. There's a gap. Yeah, there's. Yeah, a gap. there's a little gap, but for the most part, you can mm. go from Brownsville, Texas, all the way to New Jersey and right. not take any serious the, water. The crossing yeah. from Carabelle to Tarpon Springs or Carabelle to uh, Clearwater is an open water crossing, and you have to take it seriously. Yeah. Um, if if you're in a if you're in a shoal draft boat or if you're in a trawler, you have to choose your other and um, and. And, you know, just make good decisions. Mm-hmm. When we brought Stephen's trawler back from, uh, we left Tarpon, and we thought we were going to tuck, tuck into St. Mark's on the way, which is another cool little town just south of Tallahassee. But the seas were building so much, we couldn't make a turn because trawler doesn't have a keel like a sailboat does. Right. And so I was stuck <laughs> on the course for 13 hours. Getting, we went from essentially Tarpon, just like I would on a sailboat, but we were faster because we were a trawler. We were doing about eight to nine knots. Oh, wow. Now, but the, the intercoastal waterway, getting back to that, was built to protect coastal traffic from U-boats. Yeah, um, it was uh, it was commercial. Yeah, it was, uh, it was all uh, commercial traffic from German U-boats. Yeah, it was a big deal. And engineering marvel. And the Clusatchee River. Oh, it was River, because of U-boats? Yes. Oh, really? It's for war. Yeah, you didn't know uh, that? No, no, I didn't. Yeah. I know that uh, the Gulf Coast or uh, the Gulf of Mexico was one of the most dangerous. Uh, bodies of water during World War II because of German U-boats. Those guys were sneaking in here and shooting stuff. Yeah. Now it's shallow. So the crossing from Carabelle to to Tarpon Springs or to Clearwater, the water is super clear through there because some of the freshwater springs in Florida. And so airplanes can spot or even on a boat. You can see the shadow of a U-boat very easily and the water's very shallow. So they didn't really have a chance to get in there and aim at our boat traffic. So they didn't have to dig the ditch all the way around. Gotcha. That's Didn't clever. That. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. That's super cool. That's, that's why the cool. gap exists. Wow. Yeah, we did it. It was, uh, what, 30 hours to cross the gap? 30 hours across. From, from Carabelle to Tarpon Springs. A little bit more for me that time. Yeah. Well, we had some bumps. Some, well, some, yeah. bums? some problems. Yeah, no, yeah, no, yeah, no, yeah, no, yeah, no, yeah. yeah. had motor problems. Oh, well, the wind oh. was, of course, right on the bow <sighs> the whole okay. way. And what, what happened to the engine? Uh, Scotty had I some. Over, I had overheat. I had a, my heat exchanger had a, the back of it had backed off. And yeah, we didn't know on the heat loose bolt. Yeah. So we were losing water. We didn't know it. We overheated. We shut down, and but we wanted to keep going, so we set sail. This is a cool story. Lee and I, and uh, so we're sailing. You know, I pulled the bimini back. We had this beautiful starry night, mm. and we, had, we were off course. We were we were kind of heading toward a place called Sop Choppy. Yeah, and uh, the wind was right off the the yeah, bow, we had so to, you had to turn off. I was gonna off I was course. gonna be going. I thought I might go into port and have to repair the boat, but I didn't. So anyway, so I'm sailing out there, right? And it's exhausting. Lee and I are, we're going to do two on, two off and try to push on. And I hear, I'm like, it's, I'm really tired. Um, and I hear this, it's like one in the morning or something. And I'm trying not to nod off and maintain the course. And I hear female laughter in the distance. Always catches my ear. And it was <laughs> joyful laughter. Very, very joyful laughter. And I thought, man, I'm hallucinating. So I wake Lee up. I say, you got you to take over. I'm, 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 I'm falling asleep. I'm hearing things. And so I went right to sleep immediately and tried to get my two hours in. And Lee took over. 
And uh, so we started talking the next morning. I tell him, but man, I was, I was having auditory hallucinations. I heard girls <laughs> laughing in the distance, and his eyes got really big. And he goes, "I heard it too. You weren't hallucinating." <laughs> and we're rocks. probably sixty miles offshore, so I have no idea where that came from. Just one of those interesting anomalies that happens out at sea. Wow! So yeah. those sound waves just carried weird, particularly Very well weird. that one night. Or yeah. you were both hallucinating. Together. Or we were both hallucinating. Well, no, no, hallucination. So at one point, um, we were looking. So Brenda and I had buddy boated across, and um, we were waiting on. Scotty had. Um, I, my boat was really slow, so I volunteered to go first to get across because I knew it was going to take me forever. Right. And so at one point, we saw the mast of a mm. boat coming. And we saw we in briefly, distance. We couldn't radio contact them. And, and there, of course, the radios didn't work. But I saw the mast, and then I saw it fade away, and. Um, we so. later find out that that was Scotty. It was. And he I saw had you just guys. overheated I, as he had found us. I, again, that was the second time we were here. Oh, yeah. yeah. And so ah. um, we had, he was so close to catching up, but he just didn't quite make it. Yeah. And uh, to find each other out in open water was pretty clever. Pretty, yeah. It, yeah. Well, yeah. I kind of knew your course, and and I, I knew I couldn't hold it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. yeah. We were, I mean, we were running right into the wind. I mean, just the wind was coming from where we wanted to go the right. whole trip. And uh, Brenda had her really nice, what, a, a Beneteau Oceanus 411. Yeah. And uh, when we got there, she goes, wow, I got really good gas mileage. I go, yeah, we did five knots the whole way. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. she's used to going a lot faster. Yeah, yeah. She's usually doing like seven or eight, you know. Golly. So the fuel burn is a lot higher at that uh -huh. speed. She like motor sail or? Oh, no, motor. motor. Just she a motor boat. Oh, I, told her, I told her she's we should a, get her a, a motor captain, crawler. Yeah. yeah. She's a smart captain. Yeah, she is. She's really sharp. Uh, but she just loves to haul ass everywhere yeah. she goes, w with the wind or not. So, right, doesn't yeah. matter. Jeez. But, yeah, she had gotten to what Brenda had been sailing like what twenty years or something. Yeah, I mean she's an experienced. Yeah. She's not a cruising sailor. She's a racing sailor. Mm. And so the cruising thing was a new thing for her. But she lost a, she lost the, the shaft of her boat. Yeah. Off the coast of Louisiana. That was cool, yeah. And she Wait. managed to save her boat. The, the drive with a shaft. Big old hole in the bottom yeah. of it. The drive, the drive shaft, shaft pulled out. out of her boat. She just bought it, what, like a week before? Yeah. And they were driving, and um, they must have put it in reverse and pulled the drive shaft out of the coupling. Yeah. And uh, the boat started taking on water real heavy, and she had just bought the boat. And mm -hmm. uh, she was smart enough to find where the leak was mm -hmm. and go down there and, and seal it with a, a, pla a plastic trash bag. That and, and towels. And towels, yeah. Yeah, stuff and towels wow. in the hole. And uh, was able to, to get it into it and get it hauled out and get the get it fixed. Holy cow. There's always yeah. going to be a problem with a boat, and you need to be ready to solve it. Yeah. And yeah. it's kind of, one of the, part of the cool challenges of the yeah, boat. Yeah, I love it. There's, there's always something. There's going to be know? something, and you got to be able to adapt and overcome. Mm -hmm. Scotty, do you want to give us another example of a story like that, where you adapted and overcame? Let's see. God, I have to there's you many have, of them. Yeah, yeah, of them. There's of many them. of them. It's just which one, which one, you know. Let, let's. Uh, I'm gonna give you a little time to think about it. Okay. Uh, Chris, you've just been sitting here, just kind of listening. Uh, another crucial member of the Ghetto Yacht Club. Do uh, you want to introduce yourself? Oh, you want to say something? Savant. I'm Christopher. I've been a member of the Ghetto Yacht Club uh, since about the beginning. I'd say a little bit better than six or eight years. Yep. Post like. Post Ike yeah. in uh, 2008. I've got a little bit to do with Ricky coming down this way, uh, introducing him to the boating life. Uh, not a little bit. You're like the sole. Uh, yeah. I you're solely responsible for getting me here in Galveston, getting me into boats. 
Do you remember any of it? Yes, I do. I, I, I feel like I tell the story all the time. I think I told it uh, in Go one of the, the episodes. I'm very happy to hear that story. Yeah, uh, I didn't know it. Oh, no, you did it. Oh, okay. What year yeah. was that? This was back in... This got to be 2010. 2010. Yes, yeah. Yeah. I sailed into Texas, 2010. So you got here about the same time? Yeah, about the same time. I remember talking to you on the dock. I yeah, yeah, that's Mexico. right. That's you right. told me uh, you were from the, the valley. But... 956? Yeah. Damn. So, Chris, uh, what, what do you do right now? I work with a marine service company that Sam and I have started about two years ago here in the Galveston, Texas area, uh, doing maintenance on boats. Okay. Heck yeah. Yeah, we had Sam on here for the first actual two episodes. Yep. Uh, helped do the, the episodes talking about what to look for when you're looking to buy a boat. Mm-hmm. You know, just kind of like a ground up, pretty quick intro. Um, if anybody has any questions, uh, you know, it's still, you send us an email at thosedamnsailors at gmail.com. Yeah, you know, get get in touch with us. We got plenty of people here that really know what they're doing, whether it's Chris and Sam through really technical things, Scotty, uh, how to be adventurous and just how a general the, scallywag. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and Cameron, Cameron's uh, kind of a newcomer, but uh, he's he's learning the ropes pretty quick. I guess uh, probably re- faster than I was. That's for freaking sure. Cameron can solve problems quickly on a boat. Yeah, yeah, kind of cool. It's, it's a, he's got a gift for sure. No. Thank you. Yeah, heck yeah, man. So, okay, so now that we have everybody introduced, um, I kind of want to go back to the original purpose of this. I was really lucky by meeting Chris. I feel like, yeah, we were all kind of lucky to kind of have a a, a similar type of personality, uh, similar love for adventure and just sailing and all this stuff. But not everybody is that lucky, you know? Uh, One of the things that I want to do, I want to pedal this episode to new people, potential sailors, which is, mm-hmm. this is where you, Scotty, come in. Yeah. So what can someone do if they don't have, or they're not here in Galveston, they don't have like a, a community like that? What would you recommend would be a good kind of intro to get somebody involved in sailing? Many, many programs, many, many communities will have a community sailing program. Um, right here in Galveston, we have, we have, we have Sea Star Base Galveston, and they have a community sailing program. You can actually do work on the boats and get a very reduced price and, and sailing lessons and, and things like that. In, um, you know, in the Florida area, up and down the coast, there's multiple areas like that. Um, not as much in Louisiana unless you get around the Pontchartrain area, mm-hmm. and then there's some programs in there. Um, and also, walk, go down to the docks and meet people. You know, like, we've met a lot of people. Yeah, just, just yeah. hanging out. I've yeah. taken, I've seen people come to the docks looking at boats, and they say, "No, I'm taking them sailing." Yeah, that, yeah. I've done that a bunch of times. Uh-huh. And uh, so sailors like to share what they do. Yeah, I agree. For anybody that that mm-hmm. I don't know that doesn't have a community sailing program or something, mm-hmm. just I've at least taken ten people out that yeah. I kind of see walking back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, and mm-hmm. until eventually I'm just like. Hey, what you know? What are you guys up to? He's like, oh well, you know, we just we're interested in sailing. We're just looking mm-hmm. at the boats. Like, oh well, you want to go sailing? Hey, we're about to go out. Of course, yeah. Come on in. Yeah, go buy some beer. Come back. Yeah, it'll <laughs> cost you a six pack. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's true. What about uh, like? So we we can take people out sailing. Mm-hmm. I think if if somebody walks the dock, somebody goes out sailing or whatever. What would you say are good resources to learn like the physics or you know? Like you know, the, the technicalities of sailing. I mean, I like ASA programs, American Sailing Association programs. Christopher is a U.S. sailor. Mm-hmm. Now, there's, there are two different programs. My feeling is that ASA programs focus on cruising. 
whereas U.S. sailing programs in the United States focus on racing as a rule. Yep. But not totally. There is a cruising component to, and a racing component in each. They're, they're, they're rival organizations. I just um, went ASA, and Mr. Doolin and the Sea Star Base, they went U.S. sailing, mm-hmm. which is a little more racing focused. Well, everybody knows that you're a cruiser. Everybody around here, at least. Yeah, yeah, I'm definitely a cruiser. For me, a sailboat, and it always was this, was a tool of exploration of the world. So I wanted a shoal draft boat. I wanted to get into the nooks and crannies of the planet and find stuff that's cool. So it was always that way for me. It was, it was, you know, all every boat to me was a way to get to someplace cool by the water. Yeah. Oh, man. I totally agree. Totally I found agree. I found my mammoth with my sailboat. Oh yeah. Yeah. You want to talk about your mammoth? I have a mammoth, Mammothus merinolus. It's an early Pleistocene mammoth, and it's actually I still have multiple bones from this animal, and we still work the site every year at Fossil Camp. So kids don't know they, they're at a mammoth site because they kind of keep the site secret, but um, I take them there every single year, and we find cool stuff. Um, I suspect the site that um, we found on the Elise is a uh, was probably a sinkhole in the Pleistocene era, and it. Uh, because we find tons of garfish scales on a horse. We find <laughs> sloth, you know, giant armadillos. It's, it's, a, it's a really cool little site. And there's multiple sites like that along the Caloosahatchee River, and those are the core of fossil camp. That's why, I'm a, that's why I can take kids and make them super successful at finding fossils. Cool. So I know where to drop them off. And, and so the sailboat is, the, is just a vehicle. It's, it's, part of the, it's the adventure tool to get the kids to the cool fossil sites. So they get to sail the boat. They manipulate sails if there's wind. And in the summer, there's not really wind. They have to dinghy ashore and work together to get dinghy ashore. Um, you know, I have a kid that runs a line ashore, ties it off. And then we, we pull on that line to get the boats back and forth. And we do shuffling kids from the, from the sailboat to the shore. And we all got bags. And we, then we hit the beach and find fossils. Wow. One of these years, man, I'm, I'm going to come. you got to come to the Fossil Camp. It's, yeah, it starts the first Monday these. after the 4th of July every year, and it runs for four consecutive weeks. For anybody that's interested, uh, volunteers are way, always Is welcome. there a way that they can get in touch with you or yes. the LaBelle Fossil Camp? Um, you can go to, the, the, to our website, which is www.fossilcamp.wordpress.com. Okay. All right. Is there a way that they can get in touch with you there? Yes. I'll see. Some contact info? Um, you can use my, call me on the phone or text me. My phone number is 409-502-9029. Is and that I, your personal phone number? That is. Okay. And, uh, and it's possible to get a phone number. We may want to bleep that out. I don't know. If, really? Uh, no, they I don't can know. totally we'll text him. I don't care. <laughs> I don't give that. Calling. Yeah, yeah that's mind. true. It's got, okay, we'll leave yeah. it. It's not a big deal. Cool. Well, heck yes. Uh, Chris, you got anything to add about uh, getting people introduced in sailing? I don't know. What, what what was your introduction to sailing? How long have you been sailing? I've been sailing since I was about 11 years old. I got involved with a nonprofit organization here in Galveston that took in youth and taught them about sailing and racing in the uh, local area here, mostly on Clear Lake and some of our offshore races from here down to Corpus Christi, uh, the Regatta de Amigos, down to Veracruz, Mexico. And I'm losing it. (laughs) I don't think you can talk about Galveston (laughs) sailing without bringing up Mike Ginota. 
Mike Shinoda. Like you, oh, can't, yeah. you cannot talk about Galveston Stanley without Mike. Yeah. He is a, an inspirational force here. It's, I've met so many kids, young, young adults now, really, that learn to sail because of Mike's force. And he... That is true. He, he threw himself into this thing, and he created a, a, a generational sailing people. Yeah. Right here, I, I met a new, another sailor today who, who, who was one of his kids. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, Cassie, uh, Tess, Tess, Tessa, the, the cute girl the with poet? the smile. Yeah, the poet. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. Poet. Okay. She was one of Mike's girls. So that's kind of cool. I thought that was kind of neat. Wow. Yeah. That is super cool. So, okay, Chris, how did you, so you got involved with a nonprofit organization. Mm-hmm. How long did it take you to, like, I guess, get your first boat? Or when did you consider yourself a sailor? Or, like, did you ever have a moment, kind of like Cameron was talking about earlier, where he's like, yeah, this is what I'm doing. Like, he just... Yeah. This, Jump in. Yeah. Both feet. Did you, did you have a moment like that? I did have a moment like that when I first became a... When I jumped in the deep water and bought my first boat. This would be in 2009. Mm. Uh, Is that the Gypsy? Gypsy no. North. Gypsy North was your first boat? <laughs> that was my first, first, first boat. I thought Jeez. you had an Islander. <laughs> no, I, I did a lot of work on an Islander 44, which was a, a boat donated to our nonprofit that oh, I grew up sailing okay. with. Yeah. And we sailed that boat for about four years and did a lot of work to it, a full rewire, engine rebuild. I kind of grew up with that boat. It, you cut your teeth on that boat. Cut my teeth Mike, on that Mike boat. Mike Genota told me the story of how... You, you looked at this motor, and all of a sudden you're taking it apart, and then you're putting it back together, and it became the focus of your life for a little while. And Mike was amazed. He <laughs> did. That, yeah. that Islander 44 Olay kept Olay. me busy for about three years. Three years, okay, yeah, I knew. Oh, wow. And he was like, wow. So then you decided to buy your own boat. So you decided to, fi- to buy uh, Whitby 42. The he- Gypsy North has become kind of infamous. Uh, so for your runner. first boat, for your first boat, you bought a forty-two foot catch, a with a giant hole in the side. Two two holes in the side. <laughs> two, oh, excuse me. I'm, okay, I stand corrected. Two that, holes, port side. This was a boat that belonged to the Texas A&M Sailing University at uh, Galveston. Mm-hmm. And during Hurricane Ike in 2008, the boat wound up broke loose from its moorings, wound up in the parking lot with two holes punched. Uh, port side above the water line, so fortunately it did That's not sink news, or yeah. take interior water damage. And it sat, uh, totaled by the insurance company, over at the Galveston Yacht Basin for about 10 months before it finally went to auction. And Mike Chinoda called me up. I was living up in Oregon at the time and That's says, awesome. Hey, this boat is going to auction. So I fly down, I take a cursory look at it, and I'm like, Let's put in an offer. I put in a, a bid for sixteen five on this boat, and we picked it up by about two hundred dollars. Oh man! Yeah. <laughs> wow. Wow. That is awesome. And the rest is history. The yeah. rest is history. So once you got that boat, you realized that it just kind of created a cascade of events that eventually that led really to us here. Really all together. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Right? yeah. That that's, that's pretty, pretty much cool. that that decision put the whole Ghetto Yacht Club together. It did. It did. And, the, and that boat, this week, no, it'll be next week, it's going to be painted like a giraffe. <laughs> this is the Wait, future. what? Yes. Yeah, a giraffe. We, uh, I've, I've actually, we've got the team coming together. Chris is buying supplies, and the Gypsy North is going to be giraffe-colored. Are you serious? <laughs> yep. not, we are so That's serious. That's awesome. Yes, it's going to happen. It's going to be quite a unique I know festival. you'll do it, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a... 
What, what did you do with the... You also have a deuce and a half, right, Chris? What, what did you paint that? The deuce and a half truck is painted up half zebra, half palm frond, black and white spray paint pattern. <laughs> it's quite a good... It's Whenever you told me you were doing that, I didn't believe you. And it, next time I saw it, sure enough. It is actually the, the crew of the ghetto fleet uses it at Mardi Gras. So that's how that works. That's true. Which is yeah, also uh, coming up. Coming up. It's well, really not, not that far from now. Third week in February. Yep. Heck yeah. Chances are I will not be here this year, guys, but I'll cheer you on from, oh, from Florida. So, from Florida. Terrible. I guess, Cameron, you're going to be gone as well. I'll be in the islands. Yep. One way or another. You're doing the cruising. One way or another. <laughs> Jeez. Deborah Hill used to say. So, Chris, do you have any uh, anything you want to say to potential sailors, how they can get involved? To potential sailors, I would say get involved with the nonprofits or organizations that are in your area. And mostly walk the docks, go talk to people. Do some volunteering, and you'll have access to boats. It's, it, it's, it's simply, it's really yeah. that simple. You know, give, give a little bit of your time, and you'll be out on boats. It's yeah. that simple. I feel that, that anybody who owns a sailboat is open to taking out other people sailing, and they like... They're sharing the, we love it so much, we want to share with other people. That's really what right. it comes down to. Yeah, yeah. So, like, I, I drag people off the street all the time. Mm-hmm. To, to get on that I do, know you Scotty. do, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that you do. You'll go well, out and have a couple rums, and then next thing you know, you got 10 people got on the boat. boat. Yeah. <laughs> and okay. it's great to do that. I, I just, uh, I, I, it is fun. Yeah. Yeah I, lo- I, yeah. I love to, especially when, uh, when you know, you get people kind of, you know, older than I am. Like, I've always wanted to be on a sailboat, and, you know, yeah. being able to share that with somebody. At, and, at, and at a Beto show. rally, I met, a, I met this beautiful lady named Gisela, and she's 80 years old, and... She wanted she wanted to race the Harvest Moon Regatta, and I said, "Oh, I can help you with that." <laughs> we also met a firefighter that's been trying to do that do for, forever, and for then, like and, eight years, and ten years. I was able then... to connect with these people and get them on my boat all together. Yeah, and uh, we it's, had a it's a great feeling, man. It's a great feeling. Uh, I I don't go often or go out as often as I would like uh, solely because I, I do the liveaboard, and it takes right? a long time. Um, my my things are. It doesn't take too long to move my things over, but because we got two people living on a boat and a cat, it, it's, it's kind of difficult. So going out, it, it actually becomes kind of a it's hassle. A work, but work. we still go out. Yes. We take goodies out. Yep. Yeah. So, but you now have access to Kagan, Skipper yes. Ricky. Do you, uh, do you want to explain what Kagan is? K- Kagan is, is a boat that, that goes out. As much as it can go out, we do. We take a lot of people out on the on the Kagan, and she's a Rhodes Thirty Two classy boat built in nineteen sixty two, and she is Super so classy. pretty. Yeah, yeah, beautiful boat. So, well, what do you guys say? So we've we I guess we've kind of covered, you know, yeah, um, getting getting involved in sailboats, how to how to get in. Mm-hmm. Obviously, if you're in the the Galveston area or Galveston Bay, send us an email, and yeah, come to I'm the sure, West, West Docks, hang out. Yeah, we can we can definitely hook you up with getting involved in the very least um but other than that if you want to take it a step further and you're interested in getting a captain's license go to, go to school that's that's a school uh chris i know that you you have your 100 ton is that right 100 ton yes okay do you want to explain that the six-pack captain's license <clears throat> if to you're going somebody to... that's has no idea what what that is to go in for your captain's license the very first step and it doesn't matter what license you have uh, you start with with what's called a six-pack license and you can opt for taking a class where you go in it takes about 
six days and you study and get trained on coastal navigation, chart plotting, rules of the road is a big one. Oh, big one. And once you pass... <laughs> it's okay. Keep going. <laughs> Once you pass the test, right? There, there, there's five divisions, five tests that you pass. Yep. Chart plotting, safety, navigation, deck general. What's the other one? Uh, rules of the road. And rules of the road. Yep. So you pass these five tests, and that gets you what uh, they call the six-pack license. That's the very first step for anybody who is a captain of... Uh, a charter fishing boat to a hundred ton uh, crew boat that runs supplies and, and men off to oil rigs offshore mm -hmm. to operating a cruise line or a commercial ship that's running traffic throughout the world. Right. So this license is more com for commercial purposes. Yes. yes. Right. Um, I get asked this question a lot. To make Do you need a six pack to uh, six pack license to own a boat? The answer no. is no. No, the answer is no, definitely no. no. I get that question asked to me all the time. Do I need to go to school? Do I need something? I always tell people to go and take some classes, some uh, U.S. sailing classes, ASA classings. Yes. It's a great resource to learn the basics of boat safety, boat maintenance. Or even, even a Coast Guard Auxiliary boating course is a, is a good Do they good have boating go. courses? Yes. Coast oh, really? does boating courses, safe boating courses. Okay. Um, it's pretty standard. Um, when I was working with Associated Marine Institutes down in Florida, we all had to take that. To oh really? On the boats, yeah. And that's good, you know, it's especially uh, for the people for the uninitiated, I guess, if you will. Mm -hmm. That's a great resource, and I, I even believe that you can take some of those classes online. You can. Some, some ASA classes um, just kind of go over mm -hmm. what's port, what's starboard. Right. You know? and, like, and the auxiliary courses they're required for anybody, for any boater, anybody running a boat that's under the age of fourteen must have a, a safe boating course. On okay. Their belt. Yeah, that makes sense. In Florida, I'm not sure about Texas, but. Uh, yeah. My there's, kids have there's to There's a law now, like with the most very similar with kids now. You have to have a license. Yeah. Okay. It's it's, it's which not is a license fine. It's, they it's just course. change it. Like yeah. if you were born in like '93 yes. or something, uh -huh. you have to have a license now. Where, whereas before that, you didn't. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. So we got online classes. Mm -hmm. If you want to become like a boat charter, like Chris was saying, you know, you get your six get your pack. Your license, if you want yeah. to do oh the six pack, you're limited to up to six paying passengers. I believe that's the rule. Yep, six, six, paying six paying passengers on an uninspected vessel. vessel. Uninspected vessel, correct. And do you want to explain what that is? An, an uninspected vessel? An uninspected boat is uh, pretty much any sailboat that we're dealing with. Coast Guard does not board it, and they don't they don't come on and, and kind of certify the vessel as, as safe. What does it take to uh, certify a vessel or, no. like, inspect a vessel? You don't want to do it. <laughs> <laughs> Why is that? Because the Coast Guard is going to pick your boat apart, and you're going to have to. It's going to be. It's going to cost a lot of money. So, if you if you're thinking of getting an inspected vessel, buy get a get a good boat right from the get go. Yeah. Something that that um, top of the line that they will certify. So they'll pick your boat apart. Right. So uh, for anybody that's listening that doesn't know, it's kind of like having a building inspector come into your house and be like, oh, your wiring's not up to code <sighs> or your plumbing or, you know, this, this, this and that just tears it apart. So if you're looking for an inspector or Chris, do you want to explain that's what are what are the advantages of having an inspected vessel? The advantages of having an inspected vessel are for, uh, I would say, strictly commercial purposes. Yeah. Uh, it is incredibly difficult to take an uninspected vessel, uh, take, for example, Ricky's boat, the Furia 32 that we're on currently. Uh, it would be impossible to get this boat inspected. Yeah. Would... Most yeah, in, or... 
you, would, you would pay the price of the boat to get it certified. Yeah, exactly. Much. Yeah. Most inspected boats are used for large commercial fishing operations, cruise lines. Boats that are inspected are purpose built. Yes. Designed to a very long list of rules and regulations. Mm-hmm. So they built it with those specifications in mind so that they don't have to go through trying to get a boat inspected. But for the average boater, especially probably our listeners, that's that's not even a thing. But it's right. something good to know that exists, you right. know, especially if you're considering getting a captain's license. Mm. Um, that can become a thing if you upgrade your six-pack, mm. say, to like 100 ton. Because you then, can go on an inspected vessel quite easily. Correct. Yeah. And uh, and then you're no longer limited to uh, the amount of paying passengers. Six paying passengers. Yeah. You are limited to uh, the, like safe capacity of the boat or correct. something like that, right? Yep. Okay. Anything else you want to add? I think we covered some pretty good stuff. Yeah, we did. We covered uh, getting involved with your local marina or local nonprofit, mm-hmm. volunteering. Or just watch the YouTube, you know, and, and or, go yeah. buy a boat and just dive in. Yeah, yeah that's, we should have had that pretty amazing. There's so many good YouTube channels now with people uh, on how to maintenance your boat. You can learn so and, much. Yeah, and how the sail and, and all the places they've been. And that's, you know, where I started was with the YouTube, so... So watch you have that. vicarious experiences through yeah other yeah no adventures. you totally just watch these people and like yeah. learn all right well this is what's happening this is what right. you should do mm-hmm. yeah. and uh, I learned a lot you know a lot from what I know is just watching them and going all right well that that's what you do in that scenario right and yeah cool, for sure it's... a cool example of this guy's creativeness is we're coming across the Gulf of Mexico with the wind kind of died slacked out on us and so he puts up. Two spinnakers at the same time on an Allen Island 33. Yeah, never done that in my whole life. Yeah. And it was he rigged it geniusly. We had pole. We had a we had a pole out one side. We had a well, well, we had a, we had a pole out one side. The boom out the other, and yeah. two spinnakers floating in front of the boat. And we were we were making almost four knots. Yeah. almost four knots. Almost <laughs> on an out island, which is impressive. Yeah. If you're doing it four is, knots anywhere good. on that boat, that, that good. was good. Yeah. Jeez, I was proud of us. I'm proud of you too, man. Yeah. <laughs> and you, Cameron. Yeah. But so. yeah, man, there, there's many ways to get into it, you know, and, and the best way is just to jump in head first. Yeah. That's I, I agree. Yeah. I mean, get you, you know, a 27 to a, a 32 a somewhere in there and, and just go out and see what happens and meet people at the yacht club and go sailing with them. And I, I tell this to everybody I take sailing. The best thing I ever bought in my life was a sailboat. Mm-hmm. It's just enriched my life incredibly. I agree. And people say it's a, it's a hole you throw money at, but no. If you use your boat, you love your boat, it, it, you'll have you'll have wonderful experiences. And, I totally agree. Yeah. I totally agree. Not that you don't throw money at a boat. Well, of course. Of course. Um, it's going to be expensive. But it's yeah. what you but it's make it. It's going to be a labor of you love. Know? Yeah. Well, it, and expensive it's, is relative. Like, if you do all your own work, it's not that horrible. Like, yeah. it's not unaffordable as long as you're working on your own boat. Right. right. Yeah. And that's kind of what I want to do yeah. here with Damn Sailors. You yeah. know, right. I, I want to give people a resource. I would love to at some point, you know, being able to have, like, callers call in, you know, like, well, I have this problem or something. I thought that would be, be so cool. Fun. Yeah, I thought that'd be cool. Like that. uh, it's kind of like car talk, but with boats. Very yeah, cool. You know talk. what I mean? Yeah. Well, we like, have uh, Sam and Chris here. When I, yeah, when that would I, be when so I, cool. When I bought my Morgan 33, I bought it, and the motor the motor was seized, and I, I had to rebuild that to make it work. It, had, it was full of water. Mm-hmm. And so that was just, you know, it was Wouldn't a Wouldn't you have loved a resource like Dan oh, Sailors? Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, exactly. You know, if you can have somebody, it's like, all right, well, the motor's, you know, messed up. What do you do? And it's like, all right, we pulled it apart and cleaned it up and put it back together, and now it runs. Yeah. Heck yeah. And so it's just something to do. You learn. It's, it's a learning lesson. Yeah, yeah. but it, it definitely takes commitment. Mm. You know, um, yes. It, it's it takes time, commitment. If you're really serious about it, 
then uh, there's, I mean, we live in the internet age, you know, there's no mm. such thing as, you know, unobtainable knowledge. No, it's, it's all, all there, out there, you know. Now. So I think you bring up a good point, you know, uh, for people that want to get involved. I mean, YouTube is almost invaluable, you yeah. know. Well, it's, it's like, like I paid 1500 yeah. bucks for that, but. 1500 bucks $1, $1, $1, $1, $1, $1, $1, $1, $1, $1, for an OI. Yeah, a 33-foot cool. boat. Now, there was all kinds of things I had to do to get that, but it, no paperwork, you right. know. Well, I had to file for uh, new paperwork on it. The motor was locked up. There was nothing going on, but it had a set of sails. Yeah, and I was like, it oh, is. it's got a set of sails. We're good to go. Uh, that's it. So. Oh, jeez. So awesome. <laughs> Damn sailors. The Damn sailors. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is there it. anything else you all want to add? We're... we're we're coming up here on an hour. Oh, maybe cool. with a little editing, it'll be a little under. But anything else, y'all want to add? Uh, Scotty, do you want to promote anything? Well, once again, you, you know, if you're in the Galveston area, you know, you can. You're always welcome to reach out to me on Facebook or um, or the phone number I listed earlier. Um, I love to take people that have never been sailing. Sailing It's one of my favorite things to do. So um, reach out. Yeah. Uh, oh. So you can reach Scotty. Uh, I think your stuff is. I put it on the on the website. Oh, thank you. I asked you if that was okay. Yeah, it's fine. And you can also uh, try to get a hold of him through the damn sailors, which you're in uh, administrator on. Oh, good. So you got Woo! access to all that stuff. Damn sailors. You got access to all that stuff, Cameron. I'm going to put you on there. Um, Chris, is there anything that you want to promote? I think we're sitting good. We're sitting good. Cameron, any any last advice? No. Nope. Just for get newbies? a boat and figure it out. Just get a boat. Okay, <laughs> so. Get we probably should have just said that. Yeah. We should have had an episode that's a sailboat. Like 30 yeah. seconds long. Yeah. Get a boat. Yep, get a boat. I when agree. I talk about All right. boats, I only talk about sailboats. Power oh. boats are not even relevant. Yeah, we don't we don't talk oh. about power boats. No, yeah, we do. We do. No, we don't. It's it's what, uh one of the guys I took on Harvest Moon, I'm I'm taking him to look at a boat on Tuesday. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's buying a boat. A 27 footer, yeah. right? He wants a 2700. Yeah. Oh, those are cool. Yeah, yeah. It's, it might be a good starter boat. It's he's going to regret boat, it. Yeah. It's but a good starter be... boat. Yeah, he needs a bigger boat. He needs, you need at least a 30. He's like going to want a bigger boat within a year and a half. Yeah. yeah. But he's afraid. They're and, fun to learn on yeah. level 27. You can't make a mistake, really. Yeah. yeah, that's true. How much does a 2700 draft? Oh, it's, I think it's a four foot draft. So it's, it's, it's like the, Mike Catalina. Yeah. Just a hunter version. It's yeah. almost, it's, they're years apart. Cool. Um, so I'm going to, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to, Take him up and show him, show him the boat, and he'll be in the gutter fleet in a very short amount of time. All right, there's plenty of slips yeah. available. Yeah, there are. the The slips have been opening up. Yeah, yeah. I agree. All the bad boats that are it, unwanted are yeah. leaving. Leaving, and it also <laughs> has to do with lack of maintenance at the yacht base, and yeah. thus the ghetto fleet. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. <laughs> but we don't want to talk bad about the no. ghetto basin because they they kind of hold they, all the cards here. Right. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they do hold all the cards. Yeah, yeah. They, they they have nothing to do with the sea level rise that's affecting us here. Yeah. Correct. So, yeah. All right. Well, I think uh, it's been a pretty good episode. Yeah. Well, thank you, Ricky, for having us. Of course. Yeah, Cameron. Thank you for uh, for cutting the slack from Scotty from being late. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, guys. I was I was I was promoting another boat. Yeah, we, we're not, I'm not getting that. <laughs> You're doing your thing, Chris. Thank you for coming. Thank you, Ricky. Uh, Scotty. I hope to have Glad you before to be. you leave. Uh, once more, I'd love to come. Okay. Now I understand this a little better. All right, everybody. Well, thank you for being with us. Uh, once again, you can get a hold of us through our Facebook page, facebook.com slash thosedamnsailors, uh, damnsailors.com. I think our email is thosedamnsailors at gmail.com. Feel free to get a hold of us for episode ideas or uh, anything that you want to hear. You know, uh, Just let us know. Thank you for coming. I'm glad you came and sailed with us.